0: You are now listening to The Oliver Manoli Show. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Reinvention Roadmap. Find it at reinventionroadmap.ca. This is a two-day workshop that I'm hosting June 16th and 17th. It is the 10 steps I use with my clients to create clarity, direction, and confidence in their next reinvention in their next breakthrough if you're interested in checking it out go to reinventionroadmap.ca it's happening june 16 and 17 and if you're interested in signing up please use the promo code breakthrough to save yourself a third off the admission Hey there, it's Oliver Manolis. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Oliver Manolis Show. If it's the first time that you're tuning in, thank you so much for joining us. This is where we get a chance to talk to inspiring leaders like authors, entrepreneurs, speakers, and creatives, you name it. And together we get an inside look at the adversity behind their triumphs, the breakdowns that led to their breakthroughs, I truly believe that in each of these stories that we get to explore, there lies a beauty, a universal truth, and actionable insights so that we can apply and make a difference in, all, in, in in all of our lives. so today, I wanted to do something for the first time ever, which is share an iTunes review, which I'm, I was super thankful to to open up iTunes and see this, and she says, "I love this podcast." hearing amazing people who are doing great things share their stories about how human they are is so refreshing. Sometimes the internet makes you feel like there's something wrong with you if you don't have it all together. Not this show. I look forward to each episode. This was such an honor to read because this is exactly what I've been trying to accomplish with a lot of these interviews which is you know the some of these people we might put up on pedestals and look up to them but uh them sharing the adversities behind their triumphs, it just makes them so human. It makes it so much more possible for us to do similar things that they have. So so thank you so much for the review. If you are somebody who gets value from the show, it would mean so much if you could share this with your community, share this with someone that you care about. That's how the word spreads. Um, And if you do feel inspired, head on over to iTunes or open up the iTunes app, and you can fill out a review for us and, and hook us up with five stars. That way we get some more visibility, and our amazing guests get to spread the impact they make on this planet. Today, I'm truly excited to share with you my conversation with Connor Beaton. He's one of those human beings who is just real, raw, humble and vulnerable. He's just willing to really open up himself and share of himself so that we can all learn and that we can all use what he has learned to uh, to make a difference in the achievements and the power in our own lives. So thank you so much to Connor for being on the show. If you don't know who he is, he is the founder of Mantox, and And he is the founder of Real Talk Summit. He's a speaker, podcast host, facilitator, and coach working with men and women from all around the world. In our conversation today, we explore one of my most favorite topics, which is his most recent highlight and lowlight of the past year, and Connor shares about hosting his first ever event for 1,600-plus people. Can't wait till you hear that. He talks about living his passion as an opera singer, but not feeling fulfilled. Find out what happens from there in his story, the effect of growing up in a split family and how it played a role in in craving acknowledgement and attention, uh, embracing the fact that there is value in who you are, the value. Of getting support and working on the areas that don't come natural to you but are vital to success. The overworked bicep analogy, and you only get a kick out of that. Uh, how he breaks up his days and weeks for high levels of performance, something that actually, after speaking with Connor, I can thank him for it because in the last couple of weeks, I just noticed a huge shift in my energy and clarity. And, and you'll hear more about that towards the end of the interview. Guys, we talk about so many great topics. I know you'll get a ton out of this. Again, if you get value from it, please. Share a five star rating on iTunes that would mean the world and uh, hook Connor Beaton up with a message. Find him at ConnorBeaton.com or find him on Facebook as Connor Beaton, and uh, let him know what you think and let him know what you got from his interview with us today. That's it. Without further ado, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Connor Beaton. So, for people who don't know who you are, uh, I'm just going to give them a little bio. Connor Beaton is the founder of Man Talks, an international organization focused on men's health, wellness, success, and fulfillment. Connor is also a speaker, podcast host, facilitator, and coach, working with men and women from all over the world. He's shared the stage with the likes of Gary Vaynerchuk, Lewis Howes, Danielle Laporte, Preston Smiles. And before founding Man Talks, Connor had a brief career as an opera singer fascinating and worked at apple leading high performance sales and operations teams since founding Man Talks, which by the way, the mission of Man Talks is to help develop self-aware, high-performing and impactful men in the world. The type of men you want to be and the type of men you want to be around. So before Man Talks, Connor has spoken on stage at TEDx, taken Man Talks to over a dozen cities internationally and has been featured on platforms like Forbes, Influensive, He for She, The Good Men Project, UN Women, CBC, CBS, and the national post it is a freaking honor to have you on
1: thanks brother i appreciate that it's funny like as you were reading that off reading that off i was thinking to myself it's like uh, yeah i spoke on stage with gary v and lewis Howes and daniel laporte and all these people and and like and nobody really knows who the hell i am and it's freaking <laughs> awesome <laughs> it's like it's such like a beautiful it's such a beautiful gift
0: <laughs> you get to be you get to be the underdog i like rooting for the underdog
1: Oh, I'm like this silent. Nobody knows. It's it's great. It's I hope I hope that it like kind of always stays like that. You know, like imagine having Gary vee like status, where I remember when I had him speak at at an event last year in Vancouver, and he couldn't go anywhere. Like he was just inundated with people just mobbing him everywhere. That happens to him everywhere he goes. He's like a celebrity, and uh, you know I, I think that the people that that crave that type of attention often never end up getting it because it's, it's for the wrong reasons, you know? So I just, I just, I was very present to like listening to you read my bio. And first off being like, I'm glad that somebody else helped me write that because I don't know if I could write that about myself. And then secondly, like I, you know, it it was, it was very much like there's a bunch of people with massive, (laughs) massive followings, like millions and millions of people. And there's like, you know, 15,000 people that, that, come on on my instagram page you know it's like nobody knows who the hell i am it's great
0: dude i so i know who you are and (laughs) and what's really cool is to see how you show up and how you perform because at, at the last event at generation now at hasten hustle in toronto gary v was actually the person right before you yeah and just the, the way that you presence the room to that fact and kind of like made a joke about it. It was just like, oh my God, you could, you could just feel the energy just opened up. Like this guy is just real. This guy is humble. This guy's like so honest about things. And yeah, I just, your, your talk, the conversation, uh, the energy about it was, was super powerful. And, and so I know who you are and I created a dream list of people I want to have on the podcast and getting, your, getting you on here was, was, uh, was an important one.
1: Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that. Like anytime it's funny, I did this, I just launched a program called the Alliance and I was, you know, I interviewed all of the guys that applied for it. And I remember like I had a couple of interviews and the one guy, uh, you know, picked up the phone and I was like, Hey, it's Connor from man talks. He's like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm talking to you. I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm having like a fanboy moment. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I think, I think I have like a naive sense of humbleness sometimes, but, uh, I appreciate that. Cause like going after Gary V, you know, it's after going, going, going after somebody who has such a huge monumentous following and is clearly like the, the reason why most of those people are there. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else that you can do. I mean, there's, there's a ton of stuff that you can do. You know, you can belittle yourself. You can pretend like you're not good enough to go after somebody like that, et cetera, et cetera. That's so easy. And that's what most people do. Right. But the, but the reality is, is that you just acknowledge, you know, you acknowledge that you're the individual that's following up the reason why they are all there and, uh, and, and get people to like refocus because then they're in your shoes, man. And they can just relate with you. So. And the anyway, acknowledgement
0: was... of it was a, like it turned it into a strength.
1: Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> it was kind of like it
0: was, it was like the unspoken thing It's like, oh, like now, like Gary V is gone, and you like you 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 brought it up, like it's such a power powerful thing. But yeah, um, I want I want to hit you up with my first question here that I mentioned before we hit the record button because I think this is an important one. I think when we see someone like Connor, like you. Who is on stage sharing sharing the stage with these incredible people traveling the world has a very very uh, huge impact on the world through your message through your podcast through man talks. Uh, it's easy to put you on a pedestal, like it's real, like like that person that that applied and you were interviewing was fanboying, so they had you up on a pedestal and they're like, oh, Connor, like he's he's amazing, and you are absolutely. But I think what's really cool is if we can dive back and look at. What challenges do you face so that we realize, you know what, Connor's just a human being and I'm a human being too. If if it's possible for him to go through these kinds of struggles and still come out on the other side successful, satisfied, uh, and, and have a sense of achievement, then it's possible for me too. So my question is um, if you could share with us a highlight and a low light from the last 12 mm-hmm. months.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good question, you know, and – yeah you know, I think in a lot of ways what you're talking about is true. It doesn't matter if if we're looking up to celebrities or athletes, you know pe- people that we admire that are in the entrepreneurial space or or even people that are, that are creating these very like stoic and ironclad personas through personal development, they are no different like the Dalai Lama who I've met is no he's just a human being. You know, he he puts his robes on in the morning just like we put our clothes on. So I love this question. Um, highlight, the highlight really last year, um, I did something that I thought was impossible, really. And and I wasn't too sure how it would actually pan out. So so last year I created a separate brand called The Real Talk Summit, um, After building up Mantox and and put it on an event in Vancouver and I had had this this sort of like vision and dream of putting on this massive conference around business and that the whole theme was moving business and humanity forward together. With the with the knowledge and the idea that businesses and entrepreneurs are are really the ones that are shaping humanity as we know it. When religions are taking a backseat and the governments are slow and cumbersome to to create any sort of change within our culture and our society, businesses are the ones that are radicalizing our way of living in a very exponential rate, a very quick rate. And so there's important conversations that we need to have there. And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are struggling to have those conversations, the real conversations around business and entrepreneurship. Um, and just, just to that note, you know, roughly 47% of entrepreneurs um, uh, recognize and, and sort of admit to having some sort of a mental health issue. So whether that's suffering from intense anxiety or suffering from depression or suffering from massive amounts of ADD. Or whatever it is. They, have, they, they identify as having a mental health issue. But that shit just doesn't get talked about. You know, people just really don't talk about those types of conversations and how businesses are impacting people, our culture, our society, and and how the people who are running those businesses are actually doing on a day-to-day basis. So I wanted to have that conversation with people. I'll, I'll just kind of like give you the synopsis in a very quick way. Um, but uh, so I hired Gary Vee. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and and it was kind of like this bold very brash idea where I had partnered with somebody to put on this event because I had never put on an event before for more than like 500 people you know and I wanted to put on this event for like 2,000 people and so I partnered with somebody that had way more experience in the industry than me and so (laughs) it's funny because the 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 highlight and the low light kind of go in tandem so we we signed his contract, and um, and we had both agreed to to front the money because the the money for the event that was going to go up front to put this event on was nearly two hundred thousand dollars, and so, and so we had both kind of put our ourselves on the chopping block by by agreeing to front a lot of money to have this event happen, and so. Uh, so we signed the contract. It's a huge day of celebration. I'm like, this is amazing. And when I say <laughs> we sign the contract, I mean I signed the contract, which is which is a mistake. So huge day of celebration. I'm telling all my friends, I'm telling my family, I'm like, this is happening. I'm doing this. And of course, in Connor like fashion, I've given myself three months, four four months to make this event happen. Like from signing wow. Gary signing Gary V to the event date, making this event happen. <laughs> it's aggressive, man. It's aggressive. It's also, again, it's like that sort of like humble naivete. This might be airing a little bit more than the na- naivete. Um, and so you know, I'm reaching out to this guy. I'm like, "Hey, this is great. Like we signed him. We need to send Gary his his advance. We also need to pay for the space which we had signed for, and there was all these expenses that were due within like the next literally two to seven days. And a good amount of expenses. Like I'm not talking like five or ten thousand dollars. I'm talking six figures that are due like now. And so I'm trying to reach out to him, trying to reach out to him, trying to reach out to him. And this guy is an incredible event producer who just had overwhelmed himself a little bit. And so finally I get a message from him basically saying, Listen, I need to back out of this and I can't I can't be a part of it. And I'm really sorry. And you know, please let me know if I can help and support you. And I'm sitting there the guy that had just signed Gary Vee 's contract and the contract for the space and had literally just put himself on the line Jeez. to to produce this event, this event, and and somebody that's now responsible for an incredible amount of money. And so I had my my low point in that moment for sure, of just completely wigging out. You know, for a few days. What, and, what does and...
0: wigging out entail? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was interesting because I was kind of calm in in one sense. Like you know, it wasn't it wasn't like a numb sense. I was just like, okay, this is very clearly happening. It's kind of like after I don't know for the for the listeners or the viewers that are out there, if anybody's ever been in a car accident, not not a, like a super serious one, but one yeah. that you walk away from. Where you sort of you have the car accident, and I equate this—I haven't had a car accident, but I had a motorcycle accident—and mm-hmm. so you have the accident, and then if you're okay physically, you you're you're stunned, you know, mm-hmm. and you sort of walk away, and it takes you a little while to come back into reality and to actually assess, like, okay, this situation just happened—that's a real thing. Yes. That situation actually just happened. Now, what the hell do I do? And and so. Um, and so I was very present to to all of that, so i I kind of got very still and very calm, and I took a few days to kind of like go recluse and uh, i I tend to do that like I tend to retreat back a little bit and and take some time to like really reflect and and notice what's going on in my life and so I took some time and space I talked to people that I really you know love and care about. I talked to my partner at the time, and I was like, "Well, I guess I'm on the line for this so <laughs> there, there came a point after a couple of days of just contemplating what my options were and connecting with people. And, you know, I, I actually, uh, in that space made a couple of phone calls and, and managed to somehow raise some money for sponsorship of the event, which was going to help me actually pay for the upfront costs. And then the rest of it was literally coming out of my business and my pocket personally. And so, you know, there was kind of this space of just reflecting. And then finally, um, finally coming out and kind of saying like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this in such a way that it's not going to fail because I'm going to treat this like my life is on the line because my financial life was on the line. And so I was like, I'm just going to make this happen. And so I found the right people and started trucking forwards. And, um, you know, for three and a half, four months later with the help of my team and, uh, an, an incredible event producer, who's now my COO and business partner in RTS, uh, we had almost sixteen hundred people out at the event, wow and well done, uh, man. yeah it was it was crazy. We got you know covered by all sorts of you know news and media platforms and and you know people just loved the event so it was <laughs> it was one of those like put yourself in a transformational uh moment in your life like i i really I put myself in that bind um, and I, and I grew because of it exponentially
0: you're like you you Put yourself in a corner, yeah, and you had to you had to come out with with your dukes up,
1: yeah, it's kind of like uh you know in the cartoons where the the person's like heading towards like the bandsaw or something, and like you see it coming, yeah. it's kind of like that, except instead of like the bad guy putting them on there, like I put myself on there, you know, <laughs> like I hadn't really given myself like the time and space to plan this massive event out properly because that usually takes people like nine to twelve months to do to do right. Um, so it was, it was really interesting.
0: Is that how you've launched and operated in the past? Like do things in a very short timeline almost to be like, well, if I wait, cause I know for myself, if I, if I wait too long to do anything, then fear shows up and, and perfectionism shows up. And so I know like, if I look at the past and anything that has created momentum for me it was always when i executed much more quickly so that stuff wouldn't show up so i don't Mm. know i don't know if that's something that happens has happened for you and
1: yeah sort of yeah i mean i find that i i work well under pressure um i seem to like putting myself in in spaces that that create tension like not an unhealthy tension or stress Mm -hmm. um, because there is a there's a definite difference but I put myself into these situations that require a lot of me and that that allow me to really meet my edge i think I think too few people actually create circumstances where failure is inherently possible where it's a very very real thing and I think so many of us in especially in western culture are are um, sort of programmed in some ways to create these like very winnable situations that seem like they'll probably just happen and so we take them for granted and Mm -hmm. I you know some of the lessons that I've really learned are are putting myself in situations where it's you know like (laughs) I like to say like my balls are on the chopping block like I don't know what's going to happen it could go south it could go sideways and I'll learn a very valuable lesson but it it puts me under this this sort of um pressure and creates tension within me That allows me to perform in a very different way and I think I thrive off of that that said That said, um, I have learned a lot about planning and and the value In actually creating a very well thought out plan because I'm one of those vision people Where I'll have a vision for something, but I'll I'll sometimes have no idea how to execute on it, right? So I'm lucky enough that you know, I found a, a partner Um, in my intimate relationship and I found a partner in my business relationship who are extraordinarily good with details and with planning so that there's a very clear roadmap of execution because sometimes just having the vision for something and then bringing that into existence are two incredibly different things especially when you're managing a team like I can function like that But the majority of people actually need a step-by-step guidance and direction. Mm -hmm. Like I can have a vision for something and know exactly what needs to happen for the next several months in order to execute on that. But the majority of people don't operate like that. They they need like, okay, yeah, next week this needs to happen. Next month we're going to do this. And I'm shit at putting that together. So luckily, I've found people that <laughs> that can help me do that.
0: So, so you've been, you've spoken to many, many people on stage in your business, and you've also, you've also worked with other uh, very, very high level human beings that you've shared the stage with. What do you, what do you? find is the biggest difference between them and people who are maybe holding themselves back from actually executing or, or putting their balls on the chopping block <laughs> like what do you think holds them back
1: yeah i I do think that it is a little bit uh, uh it's like two parts one one part believing that their dream is something that can be a reality you know I think that a lot of people you know there's a lot of talk of like Moonshots and dream big and create your vision and all that kind of stuff. And I see a lot of people, a, spending way too much time on creating their vision um, in such a detailed way that it just never comes to fruition. And 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 two or B, because I'm not too sure which one I just use. Um, <laughs> um, people, people creating a very clear vision for their life. But not thinking that it's an actual possibility and that's just heartbreaking I know so many people that have that have such big dreams and visions for their lives but they can't move through the internal roadblock of their own self-worth to actually know that that is a value in the world and so they get stuck. And and it never gets put into reality because when you see yourself as somebody capable and when you see and believe yourself to be somebody who can actually bring that cause or vision or business or product or service into the world, you start to take action on things that, that you didn't think were possible before. Because you just fundamentally believe in yourself and your capabilities. And if your vision is true, then your actions must be true as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where our intuition starts to come into play. So it really does come down to a, a sense of, of self-worth in so, so many ways.
0: So I, that's, a, that's perfect because I think self-worth is an important conversation. It's uh, us being able to believe that we can actually do it. But that doesn't that's not something that's handed to you. You don't, mm. you don't get it. And I, and I know, cause I've, I've, uh, I've, i know your story. Um, I would love for you to share like, what has it taken for you to get to the point where your self-worth has developed to get to the point where you can share a message. You can build businesses. You can make an impact on thousands, millions of people at a time.
1: Mm. Cause you grew yeah. yourself
0: into this. Like you earned it. You fucking fought for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well first I want to just say that it's it's not a it's it's not a completed process, you know. Oh, I'm yes, still <laughs> I'm still in the I'm still in the evolution of that, you know, and and even now like even right now I'm shifting Man Talks and and moving more into like a personal brand space. And and so it really is like an evolutionary process where it 's not just like one linear path that we want it to be right mm-hmm. and and developing your self worth is is intrinsically linked to your ability to be self aware and to cultivate that and so you know just to give some background like i I barely graduated high school you know i i actually I failed grade twelve English and grade twelve biology, and I had to go back and do both of those things just so that I could get my diploma. And you know I struggled with a d d in in school. I was one of the first kids in my elementary school to be put on Ritalin because I was just like a nightmare. I was a nightmare um and but you know i I remember it almost being like this point of pride as a kid, you know it was like I got attention. By almost like being this like, you know, special needs kid who was like in grade two on Ritalin because I had so much energy and was just so out there. Um, But really that that attention, it's not that I couldn't focus. It's that I was a class clown because it was my way of getting attention. It was my way of filling this void of self-worth because even at that age, I felt like I was missing a huge part of who I was. You know, I, I had parents who who got divorced at a very early age. My dad remarried somebody else extraordinarily quickly. I was like three years old. Um, my mom got married to, to somebody else. And, and I lived in a very interesting family dynamic where my parents got divorced when I was three. I just want to paint this picture for people. My parents got divorced when I was three. They both remarried other people when I was uh, five, and then they both had a daughter within a year of each other, and then they both had a son within a year of each other. And so I was in between two seemingly identical family systems. Oh, and then they both bought a dog. And you were um, the, wow, yeah. the middle. Yeah. And so so I was in between these like two family systems. And I, you know, I would spend most of the time at my mom's place, but I would bounce back and forth between the two. And how that affected me growing up was that, you know, I didn't think that I really had, I didn't feel like I I belonged in either of these places. And so a lot of retrospectively looking at it Mm -hmm. from a psychological standpoint, I actually, Um, expressed a lot of tendencies that were similar to adopted children where I actually didn't feel like I belonged in any of those spaces. And so I would use my creativity and my energy and my charisma to try and garner a lot of attention in class because that was my means of being like, I'm worthy of being here. You know, I fit in this space. If I can just get people's attention, then I'll just fit in this space and I'll belong somewhere. And, and fitting in and belonging are, are two very, very different things. You know, you do things to fit in. You belong because of who you are. And you can never feel like you belong if you don't truly accept who you are. And that took a long time for me to really fundamentally grasp and understand. And I'm sure that that's a journey that a lot of people are either still on right now that are listening to this podcast um, or have gone through in their life at some point. So... Um, so i'll just maybe i'll maybe i'll move forward a little bit yeah well i think that's
0: what what you're talking about i think is so key because a lot of people i think need to need to acknowledge for themselves in what ways have we need what like in what ways do we need to be uh seen or Mm. or or heard or have that sense of belonging and, uh, in some ways we act it out, like, like you, you started to act it out. And as you look back, you have the clarity of, of 2020, obviously. And you can see that, well, that was just me like acting it out because I wasn't getting it over here in my, my home to two, fa- two mm-hmm. families. So there's, I had to get it somewhere. Like if you're thirsty, you got to drink some water.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that, that kinda like that carried on for quite quite a while. It impacted my you know, my friend circles and, and my my education, et cetera, et cetera. And so after high school, I had no idea what I was gonna do. <laughs> like not, not a clue. And so I went and did construction and worked a bunch of like miscellaneous jobs and um, you know, just kinda like wandered around. I sold vacuums door to door, which was just <laughs> Comical in in a way, like a three thousand dollar vacuum, which is like, why does it even exist? I don't understand how it's. I still don't understand how a three thousand dollar vacuum is better than like, you know, uh, a Dirt Devil. What's what's the really good one? Dyson. Dyson. The Dyson. Mm, yeah, there you go. See, it's like, how is it better than a Dyson? You know, like, don't don't fool me here. Um, but anyway, so you know, I did all these like random jobs because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I had started to read personal development books and learn a little bit about psychology here and there. And, and I had sort of fallen into that trap of like, follow your passions, you know, like people just kept telling me like, you know, whatever you would just follow, just do, do what you're passionate about. And I was like, cool. I have no idea what I'm, I'm passionate about. You know, like at that time, the extent of my passions were like girls And Nintendo 64, you know, and (laughs) and drink drinking heavily like that was I was like, well, you know, none of those really seem like I can profit from or have a career on or build a family because of uh, so I should probably figure this out. Um, But anyway, in a conversation with my dad, he he encouraged me to uh, to to follow music in some degree, because I'd always loved uh, I'd always loved music and singing, but I had never learned anything about it. I had never taken classes or lessons or anything like that, but um, so I ended up pursuing that. I really, I really enjoyed it. like I, I had found a passion for for singing. I pursued that, I got a degree in music, um, took me out to Vancouver and, uh, and, and I you know did my degree in music, and then I started performing all over the world and i got a chance to sing and uh by the way i was an opera singer just to clarify check um, out
0: his tedx talk <laughs> he does a little yeah, number yeah. That was, i got freaking goosebumps <laughs> love it
1: Forgot about, forget about about that um so yeah so you know i performed in the, in the czech republic and france and italy germany china new york toronto mm-hmm. vancouver with the vancouver symphony and Amazing. And you know, really had some some cool opportunities, um, but behind the scenes, I was really struggling. It it really wasn't. There was a part of me that knew that that wasn't my purpose in life. Um, while I was passionate about it, and while I enjoyed it, and and I had gotten lost and and isolated, and and really was struggling, you know, with with depression and a few other things. So and, I want to
0: just hold up for a second because yeah. I think I want to stress the how important that actually is. Like here I am. I'm passionate about it and you went fully in like you mm-hmm. you, you fully went in to your passion and you were living it and even though it's something that brings you joy there's still something missing can you tell us about like what what led to that realization for you like you just yeah yeah
1: yeah for sure I mean it's such an important piece so thanks for jumping in there um because it, it's true. Like your your passions aren't always going to lead to your life purpose, yes. and your passions aren't always going to lead to you, you know, making some six or seven figure income, and and it, it's such an important distinction. I remember having a conversation with my with my teacher at the time, who, um, you know, I called him I called him my my little white Yoda because he really was this like, you know, he was French Canadian, he was like five foot five five foot six. And quite a bit older, you know, he he like, you know, gray, white hair. And when we started working together, he was like 80, you know, and I'm like (laughs) this young, this like a young punk. Um, But we would have these music lessons and then we would have psychology lessons and he would teach me about Carl Jung and uh, NLP and, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and all that kind of stuff. But I remember in this one conversation, I was, I was struggling in this one aria that, that we were singing, and I kept trying to sing this note, and it wasn't happening. I was, I was like, "I was so mad, I was so, so, so mad, because I had put so much pressure on this passion, needing to fulfill my life, needing to make me happy. And so there was so much emphasis on on the singing excuse me on the singing and on my voice and and on this passion that there was no room for error you know there was no room for failure because it had become my identity it had become who i was and and that is not purpose that's not direction in life and when we make something who we are when we put our worth and our value and our identity onto something or someone else or an experience, we lose ourselves fundamentally. And and it will very quickly or very slowly uh, kill the joy that you have in that passion. And I just remember being so frustrated. What are you going to say? No,
0: I was, I was going to say what is so fascinating about that is I can see how I've done that and I can see mm. how other people could easily fall into that trap, which is I mean, I call it manufacturing significance. Mm-hmm. Like this has to be my purpose. Like we were mm-hmm. like really trying to force fit this thing into being my everything. Cause that's that's what I did with my first business. I mm-hmm. was like, this is it. This has to work. This is the rest of my life. And it sounds like that's what you were doing. Like you were it- inflating the meaning and the and the purpose around around music and it kinda it had to work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it comes back to the self- The self-worth piece right because in a lot of ways I didn't feel like I was valuable I didn't feel like there was power in who I was and so I was putting all of my power and all of my worth onto this thing that I did and it's a trap that so many men and women fall into and we forget that there's actually power in who you are and and that if you have really any chance of being truly unique it's going to require you in so many ways to to embrace to embrace your own internal truth and to embrace that you actually have some form of inherent value and that there's power in who you are and and to embrace the idea that in 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 many ways it's not about pursuing passions as much as it is understanding what what pain and what responsibility you're willing to live for and I realized in that moment that I wasn't actually willing to bear the responsibility and the weight that this career was asking of me. And that's not what I wanted, you know. And and I remember in this moment, my mentor asked me, he said, he said, do you feel like you could spend your life just doing this and nothing else, like absolutely nothing else? And I was like, yeah, maybe I think so. And he said, well, if you can see yourself doing anything else, go and try it. Go and do it because this career is for people who cannot envision themselves doing uh, another thing. Like there just is nothing else for them. This is just it. And they're willing to give their lives to it. And it almost gave me permission in that moment to just let it go a little bit, you know, wow. and, and it started to it started to shift through me. I actually started to like let it go. And I think that that far too many people hold on to things. There's something called the sunk cost bias. Yes. Which is which is actually a financial term but but the sunk cost bias basically states that that we we are prone to holding on to things that we have in our lives simply because of the investment whether that investment is emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, monetary, whatever it is mm. and we will hold on to those things and grip onto them for dear life even though we know that they need to be let go. It's and like
0: even, even yeah even though we need to let go It's like, well, we're already in, like I've already put years and money and effort into this, like might as well like finish it. Right. Sometimes not all things need to be finished.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, who will I be if I let this go? Who will I be if I don't have this anymore? You know, and, and like, there's a bit of an ego death there. There's a bit of an identity death there. And it was crushing for me. You know, I had, I had built up this persona of being like the badass motorcycle-riding, yoga-doing opera singer, which was such a contradiction in so many ways. And and so without that opera piece, I had no idea who the hell I was, like not a clue. And so I had to go on this two-year journey of really discovering who I was and what my gifts were in the world and how I could start to bring those forward into the world in in a very um, selfish and unapologetic way. And I think that far too often we are told not to be selfish and we're told to, to be selfless and that just leaves a whole bunch of bitter, resentful, uh, you know, pissed off people that are out in the world living lives for other people. Like they're just literally living their life for other people and their voice is nowhere to be found and and it's and it's heartbreaking to see. And I see so many people, especially people that are that are coaches or they want to be coaches or people that want to start charities or nonprofit organizations who are are just stuck. You know, they're just struggling because they're they're trying so hard to be someone or build something for everybody else except for themselves because god forbid you be self selfish.
0: Yeah, not many people are willing to do what you did, which is take the two years to self to self discover, to self explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say was the most fundamental challenge that you broke through in those two years? That uh, that that. Yeah, what was it?
1: Oh, <laughs> I would say the biggest. I would say the biggest piece really was, hmm, really was my sense of of self worth. And really starting to find clarity in my own voice and and trusting that that intuitive voice, you know, and we put so much emphasis on on the, you know, the rationality of of our brains that our intuition often gets left behind. But, you know, even even somebody like Einstein said that that intuition, that the intuitive mind was the highest form of intelligence you know, the highest Mm -hmm. form of intelligence. This is somebody who we consider to be like the rational genius of all time. Um, and so during that time, the challenge that I really worked on was, was discovering who I was and, and was trying to find a sense of, um, you know, what, what pain I was willing to endure to, to give myself to the world and, and what, responsibilities i actually wanted to carry because we all carry responsibilities in the world and some of us are carrying responsibilities that aren't ours that we don't want to be carrying. we're carrying responsibilities for other people and it makes us miserable and i had been doing that you know i had been doing that for so long like i i went into opera to try and build a relationship with my father because he liked opera and he never pursued his dream of being an opera singer and so of course wow. i went down that path right to try and the like build that relationship.
0: life of your dad
1: right so you know it was, but it was funny. I had never seen that until all of a sudden I was in this space reading. I read everything from Carl Jung, and I you know worked with this worked with this guy, um, you know my former mentor who had actually uh, studied from him, studied from Carl Jung like way back in the day, and before he just before Carl had died. He's eighty, right? And <laughs> he's well, yeah, he's he's passed away now. Is,
0: but your mentor is eighty.
1: Yeah, yeah, well he's he he would be he'd be 91 now I wow. think but he's he passed away 2 years ago. Wow. Um so so I you know I spent this time just like digging into to the human psyche and really understanding myself and and like I said that was just the beginning. That was the starting gate of understanding <clears throat> that when we allow other people to dictate our self-worth, we we're losing, you know? We're just we're losing in the game of life and we're, we're allowing other people to dictate what we should be doing or what we should be saying or what we should be thinking, we're losing. What can and, we do
0: to recognize some of these things in, our, in ourselves, in our own experience?
1: Yeah, So so I think it is that word experience and what it really comes down to, and I know this is going to sound <clears throat> simplistic in some ways, but it's going to come down to your ability to wake up and your ability to be mindful of the automatic thoughts that are consuming your brain and consuming your daily life because in so many ways you know we talk about this a lot like we hear waking up we hear spirituality and and all that kind of stuff but waking up is really a process of self-awareness of tuning into the automatic thoughts that are playing throughout the day and to come back constantly mm-hmm. to waking up to what our brain is actually telling us about all the sensory input that we're getting mindfulness isn't so much Um, a process of understanding our thoughts it's a process of understanding our experience because the experience is deeper than the thoughts the thoughts are just uh, a sometimes automatic and and sometimes they're just they're just there they just happen but when we can be mindful of our internal experience and cultivate that deep sense of awareness in any given moment we tune into a deeper form of intelligence than our than our conscious Uh, or unconscious, I should say, thoughts are actually able to produce in us. Mm -hmm. And when we can start to do that, when we can start to pull ourselves into our experience in every single moment, and we ground ourselves in, in presence, that is a deep sense of purpose. You know, purpose is experienced now in this moment. Purpose is not experienced in the vision that you are Going to someday, one day, create five years from now in your fucking, you know, big ass moonshot. Once you take on five hundred million dollars worth of Series B funding, that's not purpose. That's shit that you're gonna do in your life. Purpose ha- is happening right now as you're listening and tuning into this podcast, and it's a process of awakening to your own thoughts, as uncomfortable as they are, and that is that is mindfulness. And that is, that is the ability to actually start to, to, to create change and direction in your life.
0: What, what has, like, what was the role of yoga in your life? Cause you talk about intuition and mindfulness and uh, I, I have to go there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yoga played a pretty important part in my life. I used to be like, I did a lot of, um, I played hockey growing up. I was very physical. I was very active and, you know, I worked out like five days a week. And so when I started singing, I was like, there was a point in my life where I was like 245 pounds. I'm 6'2", and I'm <laughs> 200 pounds right now. So there was a point in my life where I was like 240, 245, and I was just like this massive. I wasn't fat, but I I worked out so much and I ate so much food. I was just this like jacked, huge, you know, Alberta boy. Um <laughs> you know, the classic just, yeah. Um, and so when I started singing, because singing is such a physical process, I started to realize the the constriction that I had in my body. And so I started to do a lot of yin yoga and kundalini yoga, power yoga, vinyasa, flow yoga. And I started to like tinker around with all the different forms of, of, uh, yogic meditation, yogic expression and what I found was that because I had pushed my body so much physically that I actually needed yin yoga a lot. And so there was like a year period where all I did was yin yoga almost like every single day Wow. because it, it really helped me sort of bring down that – heightened sense of energy i have a very high level of energy naturally i think i need like less sleep than most people and i generally am just like super wired up almost all the time um like this is my natural state of just like nonstop. uh so i'm glad that you interact when you do Pleasant that's right
0: well and and i think you you point out something really uh, important i would love to get your thoughts on the whole idea of there's things that are really easy like it's a it's black belt for us, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, working out really hard maxing out, hustling, grinding that stuff is for a lot of us it's default, like the doing doing, doing the white belt is yin yoga mm-hmm. like how how does somebody recognize that in themselves that their default setting is just one way, and their growth edge, the possibility that they they can step into is actually on the other side the thing that is really really difficult which could be something like like yin yoga how how would you
1: i would say it's i'd say it's it's in the recognition of duality in life you know that essentially we live (laughs) without getting too esoteric like everything in some essence is ones and zeros you know computer programming is ones and zeros Buddhism talks about the yin and the yang everything is duality and so the more that you recognize What you are naturally gifted at what your natural talents at you can start to understand the opposite of that you know if you're inherently a very masculine person who's constantly going who's very structure oriented who's very rigid uh, Who's very concentrated and focused in on order you can start to understand that your Work might not be in that area. It might be in actually embracing the more feminine side, Mm -hmm. right? Finding a softer sense finding a flow uh, Embracing a little bit of, of chaos from time to time and unexpectedness and disorder and and not structure and and start to explore the other side the other polarity so that you can start to experience that in your body and in your mind so often we get stuck in what is working well, and we only want to cultivate what is working well, and we don't want to look at these other parts of ourselves. And so for me, I have always been, and I think this goes back to my my childhood in a lot of ways, of experiencing two identical families that were totally opposite. I saw one that duality, zero. yeah, growing up. I saw the one in the zero growing up, and then I just started to see that everywhere in nature, in life, in love. In our internal human experience and so i've always had this curiosity for how can i cultivate this duality within myself how can i cultivate the masculine and the feminine how can i you know cultivate having an incredible amount of strength while while cultivating you know incredible amount of of surrendering and Mm -hmm. and being able to to lean into both of those sides because that's that's sort of the beauty of the human experience if you're only experiencing one you don't get to uh, experience the rest of it. And it's kind of like what they say, the, the the more that you fall in love, the deeper that you can experience suffering. And that is the truth of yes. our experience, right? And we've all yes. had that. You know, like imagine the greatest relationship that you've ever had, the vulnerability that you could experience with that person of then experiencing the the opposite end of that suffering. You know, life is just yeah. love and suffering. And when we realize that inherently, like when we understand that implicit truth, that life is just love and suffering and nothing else, and that everything can be categorized into love and suffering, Mm. then we can start to pull ourselves back into the space of how do I cultivate one and pull myself back in into love always, you know, and that might mean exploring your feminine, that might mean exploring you know, if you do CrossFit five times a week, it might mean exploring yin yoga, you gotta right? You got to I think, I think it's, the that's duality. the
0: awareness. Like you talked about the importance of awareness, the importance of uh, your ability to wake yourself up and tune mm-hmm. into like, what is that subconscious conversation that's happening all of the time? And uh, I think some people are just like, oh, that's just how I am. Like I'm just direct and I'm just forward and I just keep moving forward and that's it. And like I do CrossFit five times a week. Like that's just how I am. But if yeah. you're awake, you realize like, whoa, like I'm kind of over developed over here. Like it's mm-hmm. like trying to grow in that area is only going to move you like a, a millimeter. But it's if like, I it's introduce like- the opposite part of the duality, then I might be able to move like an inch or a mile. Totally.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's and I'm not saying and I just want to be very clear that we are not talking about cultivating your weaknesses. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying go and spend a a shit ton of time on your weaknesses. That is actually not what this conversation about. This conversation is about polarities and duality and understanding that, you know, if you are working incredibly hard in one area and you've got that down, Starting to look at its polar opposite and bring that into the fold can be extremely rewarding It's like the guys that you see that are trying so hard to build their biceps, you know And they <laughs> and they've worked those fuckers out all the time They are just constantly working out their biceps nonstop. every time they go to the gym. They'll do back They'll do biceps. They'll do legs. They'll do biceps but the, the, the irony of it is that if they just worked out their triceps if they just worked out their triceps, the other mm. side of their arm, it would actually build their arm to a bigger degree. You know, it would actually allow their biceps to not only look bigger, but actually grow stronger. And so that, in essence, in a very simple and sort of like meathead <laughs> way is, is the truth of how we need to experience ourselves and, and grow and develop ourselves.
0: Well, what, what are your triceps right now? Like if if you're using your analogy, so if you've been, let's say, um, I'm not sure exactly what your biceps are right now, like what you're, what you're really working on every day. Like what's the triceps, like what's the polarity that you're working on right now?
1: Yeah, great. So this is, this is perfect. I can break this down super simple. So, (laughs) so my, my biceps, the things that I, the thing that I'm very good at is creating the vision for something. That is just naturally there for me. It's something that I think came through like my creative nature or, or, you know, just growing up, like whatever. It's just there. The part of me that's my triceps, the part of me that needs work is the structure and the order and things. Mm-hmm. And I have a very clear tendency to want to go and work on, get the vision in place, and then just take action towards it. But sometimes that action needs a very detailed, structured plan towards executing on it. So right now, my triceps is actually building the, the infrastructure for what I need in order to have, um, you know, launch a book, which I'm working on and some of these other pieces that are coming up that normally I would just be like, well, I'll just create a vision for it. I'll create it and then put it out <laughs> in the world. But that doesn't work when you're trying to, you know, launch a book you know that you want to be successful like if you actually want people to read your book we live in an era where you actually need to have a plan in order to do that so that's that's what i'm working on right now
0: i love it man yeah. um i know we have we're we're getting short on time here i want to be respectful of your time but i would love to know like what is the day in your life now like, <laughs> like how do you spend your like how, how does connor beaton sp- spend his day
1: that's a that's a good question any given any given day is different but um I mean, I've actually.
0: Or, like, how do you break it up? And, like, what's your thought process on how you break up the day?
1: Yeah. So, I I do break up my days quite a bit, actually. So, um, you know, today's Tuesday. So, Tuesday is podcast day. So I will, I will record my podcasts on Tuesdays. I will do podcast interviews on Tuesdays. And it's just this space for me to be in this like very creative flow. I'll work on my book on Tuesday mornings. I will do any writings on Tuesdays. And so Tuesday is like this highly creative day. And I will try and schedule um, a lot of my creative stuff into this, into this one highly productive, super focused day. Monday is a lot of meetings. So I will have I'll try and I'll try and block all my meetings on Mondays. I know it's like shit to start your week. Most people would be like, "Why would you start your week off with meetings?" That sounds meetings absurd. Monday, <laughs> but but meetings Mondays because I like alliterations. Man talks Mondays, meetings Mondays. Um, that's one of right. them. And then secondly, having most of your meetings on Monday allows you to know what what is essential for the week. Right? Mm. If there's any fires, yeah, you know, I have a team that that works with me. So is there any fires in my team that need to be addressed? Are there actionables that I need to take care of the next couple of days? And so all of that gets mapped out. Um, Wednesdays is a little bit more open. It's a little bit more uh, flexible. And it just kind of depends on I might be doing outreach for speakers. I might be doing outreach for guests on the podcast. I might be having calls with my book editor. Um, it just it just kind of varies. Cool. And then Thursday, Thursday, Friday, um, I I've. So it, last year, I didn't really announce this, but last year I started taking on a lot of clients awesome. and um, just very much like behind the scenes, not not telling people. And so Thursday and Friday, I'll have clients, whether they're in person here in New York or in Vancouver uh, or or virtually. <clears throat> and uh, and those are the days that I'll run um, like our virtual program. So I just launched the Alliance. And we've got uh, a bunch of guys that are in that group, and those calls are all scheduled on Thursday. So I like really condensing again, things. This... So you're That's like right. you're
0: like one gear a day. I like that. Yeah. It's like you're in one gear instead of switching throughout the day, which can be uh, a little exhausting sometimes if you're switching back and forth. But this yeah. sounds like it's it's un- it's one direction uh, in each day.
1: Yeah. Well, and I I had done that before. You know, like when I was in the thick of things with RTS on any day i would have like a coaching session and then a podcast interview and then i would be interviewed and then a media interview and then a work call and a meeting and you, you know it was just like it was just the i would have to go from like one thing to another and my my cognitive process i noticed was getting totally overwhelmed and it and as much as I was able to switch back and forth pretty rapidly, I started to notice it actually um, bleeding into the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And so I would be having a conversation with my fiance and we'd be talking about a topic. And all of a sudden I would like switch gears to something totally else and random oh my God. because, you know, like my mind was just like switching back and forth all over the place. And so having this structure has really allowed me to ground Produce better content, actually be much more focused and productive, and you know it's it's better for my team. It's better, I think, for uh, you know for our audience, and it's it's better for my personal relationship as well, which is ex- extremely important.
0: That's really powerful because I mean that demonstrates exactly what you were talking about. Like that's your triceps working out right yep. there. Like putting yep. like here's visionary. Connor is like every day whatever. Like I'll like throw it at me. I'll eat it, and then now it's like okay, well. Each day has a purpose. Each day has a structure, and uh, I know exactly how I'm going to show up that day.
1: It's perfect. Yeah, and, I love it. And and the you, like, it's a struggle, man. Like you know, every <laughs> every every day is just like, you know, my brain wants to fight it and resist it. But um, you know, I think once we start to tune into that that sort of like age old question of of what problem what problem do we want to solve, and and what are we willing to give our life to, and we find the answer to that problem. We're willing to do the work to put the structure in place to to make it work, you know. And before this, I was totally resistant to any form of structure. And I was very resistant towards organization because I was like, I don't need that. You know, I just don't need it. But You're what I rebel. realized, that's right. That's right. And I was proud of it, too. And I was like, nah, screw all I don't that. Want to sell
0: out. I don't want to have right.
1: structure. But I've you know things have actually improved by me you know, surrendering into this space.
0: Love it, man. So yeah. t- tell us about what you're excited about that we can look out for your events, your programs, things for us to check out.
1: Yeah, cool. Thank you. Um, I mean, I'm going to be putting on, uh, our first men's weekend here, probably at the end of the summer. Um, that's going to be coming out soon. We haven't launched it yet, but we kind of put it out through the, the man talks community on Facebook and, and there's a ton of guys that were interested in that. Um, I really have been stepping more in the space of, of creating content and, and leading and teaching, which has been really exciting. So, um, Honestly, like the the biggest things for me right now, I've been working secretly on this book behind the scenes for a while, and um, I can't give anything away about that. But I, you know, I'm I'm hoping that uh, it'll get picked up here soon. Because we're in talks with a few uh, a few different publishers, so Amazing. We'll 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 see about that. But RTS RTS 2018 is is in September, and uh, we haven't launched. Where are you any hosting s- it? It's in Vancouver. Okay. It's in Vancouver, BC, at the Vancouver Convention Center, where they host the TED conference. Um, You know, last year we had Gary Vaynerchuk and Danielle Laporte, and we are working on two of like the world's biggest speakers right now, along with one of the biggest entrepreneurs in the world. And so, um, definitely go check out the Real Real Talk 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 Summit. Yeah, that's it's gonna be it's gonna be epic because we're planning it this time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but a little bit more more leeway, like more. We got time. a little bit
1: more leeway, so you know that's happening. Um Good. yeah, those those are the exciting things, man. And awesome. and the podcast. Definitely check out the, the Man Talks podcast.
0: Oh absolutely. And tell us where we can find you.
1: Uh Connorbeaton.com. You can head on over there. I've got some some fun content. You can check out the podcast there. Um, you know, hit me up on Facebook. If you want to follow me along personally, that's cool too. Instagram, the whole thing.
0: And final question, if you are going to give somebody a single action item that you think would make a profound difference in their life, like what would that action item be?
1: (laughs) It's going to sound so mundane, (laughs) (laughs) but they're usually the (laughs)
0: hardest ones to execute.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say, I would say be aware of your thoughts in every moment be aware of your thoughts in every moment and and continue to come back of what is my experience behind these thoughts that single question that single question has fundamentally changed my life mostly because I continue to come back to my experience and my experience is always in the present moment always your experience is never somewhere else it's always here but your thoughts can be in the past and the future two days from now, two years from now, 20 years from now, 20 years ago, but your experience is just always here. And so when you can come back to that, you can remind yourself of what awareness and mindfulness actually is. And it's a form of meditation and grounding yourself in the present moment. And from that present moment, you can make your life's most powerful decisions.
0: Beautiful, man. Connor, such an honor to have you on the show.
1: Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, guys. It's Oliver again. Before you take off, just want to give another huge thank you to Connor Beaton. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. If you are interested in finding out what he's up to, go to ConnorBeaton.com. Dot com, and you can go find him on the socials, on Facebook and Instagram. Go hit him up and let them know that you got value from this interview with him. As always, the show notes are available at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. Huge shout-out to Marlon Manalise for hooking up the show notes and getting this these amazing episodes onto the website. Uh, again, June 16th and 17. Go to reinventionroadmap.ca for tickets. For a third off tickets, use the promo code Breakthrough. It would be it would be my honor to help you gain the clarity, direction, and confidence towards your next breakthrough, your next reinvention. Uh, again, if you have any any feedback for us, please let me know. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram as Oliver Manolis. And uh, if you feel compelled to share this with somebody you care about, that would mean the world. And if you want to hit us up with a five-star review on iTunes, that that would make a huge difference on the show as well. And that is it. Those are my final requests. See you guys next time.